0: Slick jits.
1: Slick jits.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not a phrase people say. I'm definitely cutting that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. It's a thing. <laughs> you haven't heard it? Oh, it's my. a thing. <laughs> Welcome to Blind Spotters, a movie podcast about the movies we've missed. I'm Zach Popcliffe.
1: And I'm Amanda Luberto.
0: And today we're doing a movie swap. I watched The Kids Are All Right for the very first time. And Amanda, what did you watch? I watched Warrior. We're talking about family problems and dealing about them in very different ways. But before we get to that, Amanda, how are you doing? What have you been watching?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, today was like the first beautiful fall day in Phoenix. Um, yeah. A, a touch chilly had I woken up early enough. Um, but I've had all my windows open, so it's been lovely. Um, we'll, we'll get to your travels, which have been much more exciting than mine, but I did get to go to Denver a couple of weeks ago. I saw My Chemical Romance and all of their fucking glory. They sounded fucking amazing. Zach, some of these bands, like from that era, really sound like they're 40 years old singing about 20 year old problems, um, <laughs> and they're just not hitting the same notes. Gerard Way possibly sounds better than he did in 2008. It's incredible. He was so, so good.
0: Shout out to Denver. Shout out to My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Is that the first time you saw them?
1: Yeah, it's the very first time. Wow. Huge. I I had had tickets to see them when it was right to see them, Um, but they were one of the bands that protested Arizona for SB 1070, Mm. that extremely racist law that we had. So I never got to see them uh, because I was like too young to go to shows by myself and then you know, things out of my control and protests. Um, so this was the first time I had gotten to see them and I bought these tickets in 2019 and Damn. It, it had just been like postponed, postponed, postponed. So I have been watching my chemical romance. Um, but I've also <laughs> been watching a few other things, <laughs> but watch a lot of spooky movies, spooky movie season. Um, I've sort of like reached a point with these like classics where I'm like, which ones haven't I seen that are actually good? Um, and so I've been like, really trying to find other things that I might have missed. Um, so I watched Monster, which is not necessarily a spooky movie, but it is based on true crime. Um, there is like murder involved. It's the story of Eileen um, Warnos, the most notorious female serial killer in America. Um, it's the Charlize Theron movie where she like completely transforms into Eileen Warnos. She won um, an Oscar for it and Truly, she's, like, unrecognizable. Um, Aileen Warno's story is, like, heartbreaking and crazy all at the same time. So that was, like, a really good movie. I watched The Rental, which is Dave Franco's directorial debut. It's sort of like a suspense thriller. That was pretty solid. I think you could survive it. I, I don't think it was, like, that scary. Um, if you're looking mm. for something a little edgy. Um, then probably one of the best movies I've seen all year is I saw Barbarian, this movie, it just took so many turns that I was not expecting. When you finally feel like you're comfortable in it, it like takes another sharp turn and you're like, what is happening now? Um, and I, you know, as, as you and listeners know, I love any movie that I can't predict the ending. And it just was it was really good. Um, and then one more thing, because um, there's a few on your list that I've watched as well and I want to talk about. But we just wrapped up House of the Dragon. Yeah. I'm into it. I like, I get why people might not be into it, but like, I'm fucking all in. I think this idea of like not telling us this history and just starting with the war is a great idea. Like, let's show me this history. Show me the relationships that start this war. And now we're like, we're rolling. And I'm so excited. Yeah.
0: Like, in the words of Matt Smith's Damon, "Mm." Mm. you can't see it, but I'm also leaning. Mm. on anything
1: <laughs> i watch like i've been watching so much old doctor who content lately um and it's great oh, yeah and i'm like
0: my, my like my my negroni spagliato with the prosecco in it is olivia cook and then i'm a darcy with matt smith
1: stunning <laughs> <laughs> oh stunning <laughs> oh stunning i'm a darcy oh, fucking man. rules they're both great yeah. um but yeah, I'm having a yeah, great we'll time. We'll talk with about it. Olivia
0: Cook unrelatedly to this podcast later in this podcast.
1: Absolutely. Let's go to your list. And for the third time, let's talk about a movie.
0: <laughs> okay, let's talk about a movie that we have both seen now. Perhaps the movie Event of the Fall, for better or worse. I would probably say so. Don't worry, darling.
1: So we've seen it?
0: It's a movie I have seen. Thoughts?
1: Okay, I'm like really 50 50 on it. I don't think it was obviously as good as I wanted it to be uh, like six months ago. Um, But I don't know if it's as bad as critics are saying. I had a great time at the theater. There was like a fun little twist. Did it like truly make a lot of sense? And could it have been cut 25 minutes? Probably. But like generally, did I have an enjoyable time? And is Florence Pugh like so talented? Yes. Um, Harry Styles is a bad actor.
0: I'm I'm willing to watch my policeman first before we decide.
1: In this movie, Harry Styles is a bad actor. <laughs> a great pop star. Excellent pop star. Great sex icon.
0: Incredible. Probably our best male pop star?
1: Probably. Um the scene of yeah. him freaking out in the car, I was like, what That was tough. What in the community theater bullshit are we watching right now?
0: Acts <laughs> once.
1: Yeah, literally.
0: Uh, Chris Pine was great. He yeah. had to play one note and he chewed on it like it was a delicious bone.
1: Mm-hmm. Palm Springs. Never looking better. Love Palm Springs. You know what? You
0: are, you are a Palm Springs advocate.
1: Can't wait to retire there in 50 years.
0: A uh, really tough look for podcasts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's getting worse uh, for us
1: every time they're mentioned in a movie.
0: Anyway, don't worry, darling is a movie we watched. We saw it, guys. It's was- it was fine.
1: It's been seen. Uh,
0: I probably disliked it a little bit more than you did, but... Uh,
1: probably. I thought it was like generally fine. <laughs> a
0: 2022 movie that I have watched and did like, though, uh, it was Turning Red. Loved it. Um, this was a Disney movie that came out earlier this year. Um, spectacular, emotional, I cried on a plane. Among the all the things it captured beautifully, it specifically captured like that magical moment when the lights turned down low at a concert.
1: Yeah. It was like a gr- it was great representation for fangirls everywhere, as well as yeah. obviously other things. But I was like, Yeah, fuck yeah.
0: <laughs> like I guess you're gonna see Katie Crutchfield in concert again this year in like three weeks and I'm gonna feel that moment again. Um, and then two other movies I watched, uh two Elaine May joints, Ishtar and The Heartbreak Kid, both hilarious. Ishtar is like famously one of the biggest flops in like production hell stories in all of hollywood and it was maligned when it came out but honestly hilarious uh give elaine may the justice it's like the popular pick for like this movie was not appreciated in its time it's also because it lost 50 million dollars from a studio but dustin hoffman and uh warren Beatty are hilarious in it and then the heartbreak kid uh 1972 film also very funny it got a 2007 remake i think that wasn't very good but uh Go back and watch the original. It's on YouTube. It's like very low quality, but it's also very hilarious.
1: Amazing. Always good to throw some comedies in there.
0: We love some comedies in the midst of October. While everybody's getting spooked, I'm laughing.
1: (laughs) All right. So we're swapping some movies today. It is November. um, By the time this comes out, actually, this will come out on election night. Um, So I will be hours away from podcast hell. Um, so please then mow me $3, uh, <laughs> so that yeah. pray I, for all your journalists. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited. I'm like, I mean, this is why I do what I do. Like I'm like so amped to be in the newsroom until yeah. five in the morning. Um, but so November it's family time. It's movie time. Go vote. Um, yes, please, please go vote. Holy shit! Go vote, please, for the I, of If you haven't
0: voted yet and you're listening to us, like, fix that and then come back. Yeah. Or listen to us while take you're us, on your way to the poll. Take
1: us to the poll. Amazing. Do a good job. Fill out your bubbles correctly. <laughs> um, okay, so family time, movie time. I would say both of these are movies you could like. Adults could watch with their adult parents. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, These are like family movies, um, but they're also like complicated family movies um, and also pretty on the opposite ends of the spectrum. I feel like I did the Zach thing of picking the lighthearted film and you did the Amanda (laughs) thing of like picking like the very like complex film. Not that your movies aren't complex. That was was not right. But like the the more downer of the films.
0: You know what? Like we have layers just like families have layers just like these families have layers. Uh, Why don't you flip the coin so we can figure out which one we're talking about first.
1: Okay. I'm going to pick heads.
0: Heads. Oh, fuck yeah. What are we watching? Or what are we talking about?
1: Let's talk about Warrior first.
0: Let's fucking go.
1: (laughs) Is that what you were (laughs) expecting?
0: Yeah. actually was.
1: Nice. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Amanda, the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. You watched Warrior. What happened?
1: True that. All right. So the movie opens with Tommy Reardon, played by Tom Hardy, visiting his father, Patty Conlon, played by Nick Nolte. Patty is a recovering alcoholic and clearly has not seen his son in a long time. It's revealed that Tommy and his mom ran away from him when Tommy was just a kid because of the alcoholism and that Tommy has not forgiven him. Later, it, I believe the next day, Tommy goes to a gym and wins $200 by knocking out a fighter named Mad Dog extremely quickly. Um, he sees a tournament called Sparta that will pay $5 million to the winner, and he asks his dad to train him with a condition that he won't try to fix their relationship. Then we move to a physics classroom where Brendan Conlon, played by Joel Edgerton is teaching. His family is struggling to make ends meet. So he's competing in local MMA fights for money. He gets found out by the school and is suspended without pay. Patty shows up at his house. They also clearly had not talk in, talked in a while um, and tells him that his brother is in town. This is how we learned that Tommy and Brendan are brothers. It was pretty obvious, but also <laughs> this is when we know for sure. It's also noted that Brendan has not forgiven Patty either. Um, Brendan doesn't know how he's going to make money while he's on suspension, so he asks someone to train him and also enters the Sparta tournament. Flash to what I believe is Iraq, and a video of Tommy knocking out Mad Dog at the gym has gone viral, and a Marine actually recognizes him saying like, oh, that's the guy, but we don't really have much more information. We see Tommy on the phone with a woman who is revealed to be the wife of a war friend who had been killed in friendly fire. He says he plans on giving the winnings of the Sparta Tournament to her and the family. Now we're at the Sparta Tournament, which is taking place in Atlantic City, which is not Las Vegas, just in case famously. you are wondering. <laughs> Brendan and Tommy get into it on the beach with each other, and they're having this big argument. Tommy feels that Brendan left him when he needed him most. On the first day, they both defeat their opponents in very wild circumstances, and then Tommy and his dad get into an argument over Tommy's time in the war. This causes Patty to relapse after a thousand plus days of being sober. The next day, the truth about Tommy in the war becomes public. It's that he deserted his troop and went AWOL, so now there's a warrant out for his arrest. Um, His real name also becomes public, and now everyone knows that the final round of this fight is... Between two brothers, Brendan's wife, Tess, who had sworn off watching Brendan fight, comes to cheer on her husband, which is like very heartwarming. The two brothers fight. And at one point, Brendan pops Tommy's shoulder out of place. Um, Tommy does not back down despite this. And very reluctantly, Brendan fights him saying, you know, he doesn't have to do this. It doesn't have to be this way tommy eventually taps out when he hears his brother say i love you and then brendan carries tommy out of the ring to protect him in this like very beautiful last shot um, that i actually sent you a photo of because i was like what the fuck this is so pretty um and i was like i know i've seen it <laughs> and i was like why didn't you show me this sooner no <laughs> um yeah i feel like that's the movie i feel like i yada yada some of the fighting but i was like look they're fighting and then this guy wins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Uh you got it right. It's basically two movies within one movie, so I think you uh you nailed it.
1: Yeah. Okay, so why did you pick this movie for me?
0: Okay, so uh off the top, it's one of the better sports movies of the 2010s, probably top 5 of which I made a list of like the other candidates, but we'll get to that in a second. Um it's a rare and increasingly rare Tom Hardy movie star moment in which you can see his face. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. And then it's more or less the best mixed martial arts movie. Um there's only like 3 <laughs> for being real. Mm-hmm. Unless you want to you could say 4 if you want to count that one scene in Triple Frontier. Um but it's this um Bruised with Halle Berry um that came out on Netflix I think last year and then Embattled, which is a movie with um Steven dorf of somewhere fame.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously this is the most uh successful one. Um just really quick one to go through 2010 sports movies because it's like not the deepest pool. We have Moneyball, The Damned United, Creed, The Fighter, 42, I, Tanya, Rush, and Warrior. Th- those, those probably make up the list of like the best ones. I would say Warrior is top four in that list.
1: I really liked I, Tanya. That was a good movie.
0: I, was good. The Damned United is another good one if people haven't seen it. It's written by Peter Morgan who also wrote The Crown and The Queen. Anyway warrior is up there for sure um so now that you've watched it uh what stood out uh, what were those first watch impressions
1: okay so the first one is very personal um i don't know if i could have watched this movie had you not been working for the ufc for the last couple of years that's fair <laughs> i feel like my like intake in fighting has skyrocketed from like zero to like still pretty low but like a, <laughs> even if it's like three fights a year it's like a 300 percent increase um <laughs> but i like yeah I, I get it now more than like it sort of blurring together um so i that was like the very first thing i thought of is like wow if it had not been for zach's career i don't know if i would have <laughs> made it through this movie
0: <laughs> so, if you want to learn more go to ufc.com
1: hell yeah brother the next thing is that um, Tom Hardy is canonically very hot. And this haircut is so awful that he's actually <laughs> unattractive in this movie. I don't know how yeah. they did it.
0: Look, I Tom Hardy refuses to just be like regular. Yeah. Like his regular hot stuff. He did it once in Inception. Yeah. It was, was great. great. Everybody loved it. And then he said, never again. I'm either going to, I'm going to either change my voice or put something on my face or, or do a, a hair styling that makes me unrecognizable. And this one is the hair one. Although physically, I'm not sure he's looked ever any better.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's probably true. Um, how do we get Channing Tatum to put Tom Hardy in Magic Mike 3? I feel like he...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, how do we get that to happen? Just like a movie of just like, I- this is about me being a hot guy.
0: I can't... I truly cannot think of... A an actor in a project less likely to happen.
1: Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I was just thinking about like Channing Tatum, I feel like did like some, I mean, obviously very different careers, but like some pretty serious roles. And then in this like second stage of his career, he's like, I'm just gonna be a hot guy. I, I think Tom Hardy is a better actor, but I'm just like I'd like to see at least one where he's like, All right, guys, here you go. The other thing that I thought a lot about was um Koba which is who is like one of the um big champions that Brendan has to fight is yeah, he's like, like
0: the boogeyman in the movie
1: like truly so terrifying when he walks out to fight Brendan in that scene I was like that was one of the scariest things I've seen all year <laughs> and all I've been watching for a month is horror movies
0: okay so Koba in this movie is canonically Russian. And I'm now gonna make you click on the link that I put in the outline Okay. and watch the actor who is Kurt Angle, a WWE superstar, walk out. Okay. Do you see all the regalia on him? Yeah. He's incredibly American.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's giving Apollo Creed.
0: I just needed you to see that Kurt Angle, who is a like Olympic level wrestler, yeah. who like, represented Team USA, was playing a Russian man named Koba, and it- I find that hilarious
1: incredible that was he's so big that's so scary
0: <laughs> an actor
1: and they, they did a great
0: job with him because they didn't make him say a single line of dialogue
1: correct uh, no i thought that was good <laughs> um this last thing that sort of stood out to me is something I've, i feel like will, will spark a good conversation but um i generally don't like extended physical violence in movies um I think I can handle like a an MCU level of fighting of like it's clearly staged. <laughs> um, you land a few punches, but like it's mostly choreography, things like that. Um, even though uh-huh. I, I, through you and through your job, I have grown to like really respect this sport as more than just like two maniacs in a circle fighting yeah. each other. Like I, I understand a lot more of like the the sport behind it um, and I have like a lot of respect for it but like I think I watched these fighting moments I don't know if I like if I breathe the whole time like I was like holding my breath it's like how I imagine people watch horror movies I was just like so anxious through all of those fights and I've watched a fight with you and it's exactly how I feel when it's happening in real life too (laughs) again extreme respect for it and i definitely don't think it like shouldn't happen but i'm like oh i just don't i this is so hard
0: to watch I think that is a testament to the movie making you care about the characters. Because when I feel the most anxious while watching a fight, it's usually because I have some sort of emotional investment in either a storyline or like, you know, you just you just feel for the fighters um, when they're competing. Mm -hmm. Or you feel for the people who are competing in any sport in a specific way. But in this sport, they can get punched and knocked out. Mm -hmm. And so there's a different, like you said, anxiety that kind of comes with that. Um which is why Tess doesn't want to watch Brendan um in the movie. I couldn't um, even
1: ever imagine.
0: And it's also a testament to like the effectiveness with which they recreated like the moments of the sport. Um because it could have just made it like really corny. Like you watch Rocky and that's like cartoons fighting.
1: Yeah. Or like, you know, I mean, there's fighting in hockey. I'm a big hockey fan, obviously. I've seen a yeah. a handful of bar fights that I'm like, this is whatever. But those like <laughs> last like maximum 40 seconds like they're so short and that's maximum most of them last like 15 seconds 10 seconds like it's just (laughs) so different but this is like when you get punched and you fall to the ground that is not the end of the fight unlike these other things there's so much more to it Mm -hmm. and i it's the extendedness of it and it's like i hold my breath from first punch to tap out (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm like, oh Do you feel the same way when you watch action flicks?
1: I, I it must be, because um, I kind of tune out during like fight scenes of action movies. But yeah. like generally, like I mean, I guess it depends on the type of action movie. But like sometimes it could be like really corny action movie, and I'm like, okay, yes, then the the thing's gonna explode and whatever. Um, but I think uh, that has like a, a different level of threshold um where this Mm -hmm. is like purely man versus man (laughs) like (laughs) fighting (laughs) it's a very it's very primal and i think that's like what like makes me so anxious
0: (laughs) yeah and again I, i do think like because the way they film this movie it especially like when you're at sparta you usually get like three shots it's like big wide shot like you're in the crowd Mm -hmm. and then you go to like whoever's in the corner so you have like these pretty good seats and then you go inside the fight yeah it's like it's whip cutting it's kind of like Friday Night Mm Lights-esque or you know Gavin O'Connor also directed Miracle and and I feel like the action in Miracle is also intense like you really feel
1: yeah you're like on the ice
0: like it really captures the speed of that game yeah Um, and and I think because it captures the action so well it creates that like Anxious feeling of like. Not only do you have to worry about like them getting punched, but you have to worry about them getting kicked or taken down. Yeah. And really, you feel like you know, these the visceralness of all that. So, um, yeah, you probably did watch it. Like I watch a horror movie, which is like through fingers. And, uh, and again, this is I, not
1: a knock to the movie or to fighting. No, it's, yeah.
0: I I think I, it's a testament to it. I think it's a yeah a, a credit to it.
1: Absolutely. I I I completely agree. But I was like, I think the whole time I was like.
0: Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, and, and to be fair like to you i will watch some fights cage side and i i feel like that, like i'm it's watching crazy. and i'm like oh god uh, uh, um and i've been you know working there for a few years now so um i think it's just one of those aspects to this sport specifically um so other than just the general like oh my god factor about uh about warrior what have you thought about the most since watching
1: i've just been thinking about like how impressive all of the fighting is (laughs) like I know that that is like (laughs) that's like a that's a that's a real thing in reality but I was just like so in awe that that I I don't it's just like maybe so out of my purview that I never really think about it but I'm like holy shit this is like man at its most man (laughs) and not like men specifically but like human man human form yeah, so much of the fighting is is incredibly impressive um throughout the whole movie. Um and I've just been thinking a lot about that because I feel like if it's not believable, this movie is not nearly as good. And I think that they really yeah. roast the occasion of making the fighting so impressive that I'm like holding my breath.
0: <laughs> so I had a question about that. Like, were those scenes legible to you as someone who isn't really familiar with the sport?
1: when they were like, oh, he's doing this move, like that didn't really make sense to me, but I could tell like, oh, this guy is clearly beating this guy right now. And oh, the guy flipped him over. Now he's beating this guy right now. Like I, I mm-hmm. did know that um, I could like tell what was going on. It's like similar to how I watch basketball. Um, I'm like, oh, yes, <laughs> I know like why these people are winning and why they're not. Um, uh huh. But I think also, again, like through you, I've learned a lot of like – you know there's you have to tap you have to do rounds like there's like all like the little logistics of like how for lack of a better word the game works that mm-hmm. i don't know again had you not been working at the see for the last couple of years i would have <laughs> it might have been completely lost on me
0: yeah no that's fair uh because like generally i think this is a pretty accepted movie by like the mma community mm-hmm. um obviously there's gonna be some dramatized stuff but um I do think it kind of captures the chaotic nature of a mixed martial arts fight. Because like you said, like in in boxing, like if you get knocked down, you have like 10 seconds to stand up. While in MMA, if you get knocked down, you better defend yourself or else the ref will stop the fight. And you can grapple, you can wrestle, you can use jujitsu. There's all these different styles. Um, So the way in which they clash, I feel like is like obviously impressive. Like combat sports athletes in general are impressive. But uh, the way that um, MMA fighters can mix it up as is the name of the sport, uh, it makes it special. So, um, I think that's a, the well-taking point, obviously I'm biased, but yeah,
1: <laughs> no, but it, it, it really is. And I think that that's like the other, it's the mixed aspect of it. And I, I see so much less of it than you, obviously. Um, so like when they're, punching each other. And then I'm like,
0: Mm -hmm. I settle
1: into the punching. And then there's like a kick to the head. And I'm like, Oh, God, I forgot forgot they could do that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I I also love and like, this is obviously like a a really easy way to build characters. But I love how contrasted uh, Brendan and Tommy's fighting styles are. Yeah. And like Tommy's a little bit more cartoonish. But like, you kind of do see both of those styles in fights. Like you see the guys who Kind of can like strike a bit, but they're better off just kind of trying to grapple and make a guy tap out. Um, and they might get beat up a lot while doing it. And then you have like the one man wrecking crew, like one punch man who is Tommy um, and like the brutishness with which he goes about that. Even their training styles are are different. Yeah, um, The contrast of that, um, which I think we'll probably talk about in a little bit, but they skip a lot of like dialogue and character building. So as to like flesh out two storylines and also get to this tournament. But I do think, the language with with which they use to build the fighters um, creates that compare contrast that you need.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I I think that that was well portrayed and that someone like me who is not like that versed in this world can still watch it and follow along.
0: Like, yeah, you see Brendan at that, like at that gym with uh, Frank Grillo and he's like listening to Beethoven and it's all very clean cut and like, you know, high tech and all that. And then you have, you know, the boys in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Tommy and his dad, um, kind of just grinding and getting the road work in. And I think that is like very plain language.
1: I agree. Um, and then the other thing I thought a lot about is it's very cute when Tommy's gym, who like he had kind of come in as this like nobody to a gym that was like already a community. Um but then they're all like rallying around him, watching him, and they're all like cheering him on. I thought that was very cute.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of my favorite uh, sights to see, especially like when a fighter is actually fighting for like a title, mm-hmm. and then they win. Um, and there's always like a reaction video or or something like that from the gym back home. So um, love that.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's so fun, and obviously the students do it with Brendan, um, but I think that he he clearly had. He was in that community already, so that was like a little inevitable, but for Tommy, mm-hmm. you know, just a few months I assume before that to walk in as a stranger and now everyone's like spending their time watching him together. I just thought I was like, oh that's so that's so nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also it'd be sick to have a teacher that did MMA. There actually was a former UFC champion who used to be a math teacher. His name is Rich Franklin. Um so that was his whole like narrative story. Um so it's kind of cool to see that parallel. So I'm sure there is a lot of questions that came with watching this movie. Um, What was uh, the first thing you looked up about it?
1: So I have like questions that I looked up, and I feel like these are a lot simpler than like the questions I have for you later, which are a lot more logistical um, and more (laughs) and more interesting to like work out together. Um, But the very first thing I looked up was is boxing the MMA. The answer is no. Um, So then that (laughs) that led me to is the UFC the same as MMA? And the answer is yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. okay, okay, okay. I have like a good idea of what we're, what we're working with at this point.
0: <laughs> you will often hear UFC play-by-play man, John Anik, who is in this movie, uh, refer to UFC as the mixed martial arts leader.
1: Okay. Um, Yeah. So I was like, what is going on here? And then I was like, all right, I understand. I understand like a a threshold of what's happening. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And then later on, I had to Google, is it illegal (laughs) to go AWOL? (laughs) It is. (laughs) So I was like, I was like, he's a ward out for his arrest. That seems a little much. And I was like, oh, no, it's super illegal. (laughs) Then I wanted to know sort of some more interesting questions. Like uh, I wanted to know if the actors did all their own fighting. So it did. It turns out that both of the actors did do their own fighting. um, And this is because they both got hurt while fighting. So this is kind of how we found out. Um, Joel Edgerton, who plays Brendan, tore his MCL um, in the cage during the production. um, And it actually stopped like filming the fight scenes for six weeks. So he had to like, halt production because he like had to repair his mcl which sounds jeez. terrible um and then oh, well, i guess like in comparison less bad but still not something i'd want to do uh tom hardy broke his toe his finger and I had a few broken ribs while filming this movie
0: jeez look man uh, fighting uh, get you. i <laughs> i think uh I think it's just a par for the course because I know Michael B. Jordan like tore his knee in Creed 2 as well.
1: Yeah, it, right. it's just like, a, yeah, incredibly impressive again. Um, but yeah, so they both did do their own fighting and, and we know that because they both got hurt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> also just got to acknowledge the fact that Tom Hardy put on 28 pounds for this movie with yeah. which he used that physique to later be Bane.
1: Yeah, hell Yeah. I just rewatched that movie. It's pretty solid. It's worth watching because Anne Hathaway is actually better than I thought she was the first time. And then, of course, I wanted to know um, how it was received, if it uh, had been in the Oscars conversation. I had no recollection of this movie, so I was like, for sure it did not. But it certainly did. Um, The father, (laughs) uh, played by Nick Nolte, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor um, at the Oscars that year and he did not win but that was a he still got a nomination
0: yeah did you have any sort of relationship to Nick Nolte before this
1: oh I'm sure I did but not enough where he's in the um, same camp as Jody Foster
0: probably his I don't know if this is like his most famous movie but to me it is like he was in 48 hours um, and another 48 hours those buddy cop movies with Eddie Murphy um, he has like a weird career where he would like Goes through ebbs and flows of being kind of top line and, and like does really cool roles or stuff like that. Um, he's just kind of a guy who shows up and acts. That sounds so stupid, but like he's not like a man cultivating his Hollywood career, he's just like, Yeah, I'll do this. Um, type of guy. And he, I, I really feel like he got the nomination off of like the one scene where he relapses. Like he's good all throughout the movie, but then he has to do like, Yes, listening to Moby Dick on his Walkman, yes, relapsing that
1: that's like absolutely where where that happened
0: um, i was gonna ask this later but I, I was gonna shoehorn in it now um did the emotional beats of the movie work for you like did it did it hit
1: um to an extent
0: because like i feel like a lot of it is just like kind of half-baked
1: yeah and and maybe that's that's why like i i won't say it like rolled off of me but i wasn't like crying at the end of the film of like relief that these brothers were back together. I was like, yeah. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, I love, I love brotherhood. That's so sweet.
0: <laughs> Warrior. That's nice. Oh, look um, at that.
1: siblings. Yeah, Cause
0: so that as I was rewatching it, I was like, man, I remember this like kind of being more like gripping in a way, but um, I do feel like because there's like the dual storyline of it, It kind of takes away from both, but like the fact that it also still kind of works at any capacity is a testament to like all the performances and, and like the direction of it. So I was just wondering, like for someone who was unfamiliar with it going in, if it if it hit or not, particularly like with Nick Nolte getting best supporting actor for like three scenes, really.
1: Mm hmm. I I mean, it was, I mean, I texted you. It was obviously like very sad when his dad relapsed. And I was like, no, we were doing so good. And then just like this very tender moment where Tommy takes care of him. And you could tell that like this is not the first time that Tommy has taken care of his father while drunk. And now he is a a man and bigger and he can sort of be a little bit more of a provider. But um, I I did like that. That was like definitely a, a very tender moment. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're both mad at, it, at each other and their father. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Sounds about right.
0: <laughs> what was that SNL bit like a few years ago, where every every uh, Oscar nomination was about white male rage? I think it was the Joker year.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it was.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure it was.
0: Any other questions about this movie?
1: Yes, I have a lot of qu- I have a lot of
0: questions about this movie.
1: I'll start easy. When you were watching this movie for the first time. Which of the brothers were you rooting for to win the end fight?
0: So the first time I watched it with this movie come out in 2011, I was like 16. Definitely wanted Tommy to just run through everybody. Like I got, (laughs) I understood that like, no, like I understood like the movie was like, hey, this guy has a family. He has kids. He has a house he might lose. But in my head, I was like, man, punch, knockout. like Yeah, for (laughs) sure. With no music and then walks out. Um so obviously, I was like, "This is the coolest guy of all time." Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I remember at the end of the movie when I was younger, being like, "Damn it!" Like his shoulders out, like
1: <laughs> that sucks. No, <laughs> yeah, like
0: younger brother doesn't get to beat up older brother.
1: Yeah, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I guess this is why I watch House of the Dragon I'm a little more satisfied. But
1: uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, my cousins, uncles—you know—gets confusing there. But uh, yeah, I was definitely rooting for Tom Hardy.
1: So I have some like technical questions. Okay. They say that Tommy is like ungoogleable. They're like this man, he came out of nowhere. I'd never even heard of him before this video of him surfaced of him, like knocking out mad dog in that gym. Is this like solely because he changed his last name? And like, look, I understand it's to like set up for the fact that like there has to be the twist that he went AWOL and that they're brothers and no one knows until the end and like yada, yada, yada. But like, I just find it really hard to believe that just changing your last name would like completely remove you from
0: Google. One movie bullshit. Two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do. I do think people were worse at the internet. Yeah, like, that's uh, also and true. stuff. Yeah, it's like this is pre. pre this is really pre Twitter in a way. Mm-hmm. Pre Instagram. Like th- those things really popping off and becoming like everybody's online in some capacity. That's true. Um, and he had his like very successful wrestling career in Pennsylvania, which is like. Pennsylvania is a very, 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 very decorated wrestling community. Um, it's very hard to break out there. And it's like they have so much history there. But then, so he moves to the West Coast, changes his last name, probably doesn't wrestle again. So there's no like sports log of him. And then he goes into the military, yada, yada, yada. So I don't think there's really a way or a reason why he would be online. Somebody out there is not on Google. Like you, there are people out there you can't find other than like looking up someone's like record. Yeah. And like are people in sports journalism doing that probably not.
1: Yeah. Probably not at that point. Okay. So then, you know, uh, attached to this, they say he like didn't show up to any of the press conferences, didn't get his photo taken, yada, yada, yada. He's like very clearly uninterested in like the razzle dazzle of this whole thing. Um, then why is he doing such a big tournament? Is it like just because he likes to beat the shit out of people? (laughs) Like this is the biggest stage to do it on. Um, And I assume it has to be like that he avoided these things. So he was like not in the spotlight and like no one would recognize him. But I was like, why not just like do a bunch of small ones and like make money that way? Like, why are we fighting at such like a big stage if you're trying not to be found?
0: There's, there's really no other avenue in which a man who has no professional fights could compete for five million dollars in two days. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, not doing all the presser stuff. There's a lot of fighters who hate doing media. He's also an, he's also a nobody. Like yeah, he's not true. Koba. He's not Mad Dog. Mad Dog was like a top eight middleweight or whatever they said. Um, and so really nobody cares about Tommy Reardon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I think it fed into the fact that he also didn't want the spotlight because of the A wall thing yeah um okay so
1: I was just yeah. like watching I'm like what's going on here <laughs> I'm like nitpicking <laughs> like, but those are all my questions I think you answer them all um I think nice. it was a pretty like pretty straightforward movie so I thought it was fine um do you have any questions for me
0: I remember when I watched this the first time and I was like that's the song they end with because like I don't know I was a <laughs> <laughs> it was not really in my purview, the national. Um, so the national needle drop at the end does it work? I,
1: I thought it worked great. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to listen to that song the same way ever again, um, but I I do like it. Um, I thought it was great. I love an indie music sports crossover, um, <laughs> of course, stemming from Friday Night Lights. But this is also yeah. how I feel about Devil Town by Bright Eyes and Your Hand in Mine by Explosions in the Sky. Like two songs I've loved for a very long time. That now I just think about uh, Dylan football. <laughs> like every time I like hear those songs,
0: <laughs> I, need, I need to get more time to the National.
1: The National is great. I like the National. Are they good? A lot.
0: Is that a, is that a band people like?
1: Yeah, Aaron Dessner, that's his band. Oh, yeah, man, I love that's the great. National. They're great. <laughs>
0: oh <laughs> you know what I'll, I'll give more time to them now yeah i um, think you'd like it beautiful uh i have a couple more comments and then we can wrap up uh one wesley morris uh in his review of the movie called this a bench press melodrama which i thought was hilarious that's good um <laughs> two what tommy does to mad dog in the gym is fucked up it's so insane <laughs> you don't knock out your sparring partners or if you do you do it on accident and you're like very apologetic afterward um and then three, it's insane. That, okay, so so Brendan to pop out Tommy's shoulder uses a technique called the omoplata, okay, and it's like a shoulder lock with your legs. Yeah, and there's only been one ever pulled off in the UFC. Oh my god, it was so. And gross. So it makes it even more nuts that it that it, uh, it worked. And I guess like it's a movie; it's not that nuts. But I was just like, that's what it was because I thought it was a different technique called a kimura because people pop the shoulders out all, all the time using that one. Um, but I was like, oh wow, look at Brendan with this slick jujitsu. <laughs> anyway uh okay uh now that i've gotten that off my chest lastly would you watch this movie again probably not It's <laughs> <That's>
1: okay <laughs> i think this is i think this is honestly the first if not less than five times i have been like i won't watch your movie again um i was just so anxious the entire time um it's a, i
0: didn't expect you to
1: it's a very good movie it's it's extremely good and that's why i won't watch it again it's it's like in that (laughs) realm of movie it's like uh the lighthouse roma warrior (laughs) 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 movies that were like too good and now i'm like having a panic attack um yeah yeah so uh props to them um very good movie you know at
0: least you've seen it uh gavin o'connor what a shout out to him
1: god i love miracle
0: all right amanda you watched warrior great job by you you did it thank you let's take a break and then talk about the kids are all right
1: let's do it
0: this episode of blind spotters is totally not brought to you by the velveteen rabbit serving up some of the coolest tastiest cocktails in las vegas the velveteen rabbit is a special spot in the vegas arts district with a seasonal selection of drinks and a rotating line of beers on tap velveteen rabbit has the drink for you They'll also serve you rock-solid classics like a martini or an old-fashioned, but I also love chatting with the bartender and allowing them to guide me to a drink I'll love. And I know they'll do the same for you.
1: All right, Zach, would you say that the kids are possibly okay? Well-adjusted? How would you describe the kids?
0: I'll say they're... Decent at best, but recovering. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: they probably went to When We Were Young hey. over the weekend, and just
1: absolutely. Um, all right, so you watch the kids are all right. Tell me what happens in that movie.
0: All right, the kids are all right. Uh, directed by Lisa Cholodenko, written by Cholodenko and Stuart Blumberg. Uh, this movie centers on the marriage between Dr. Nick and Jules Allgood, played by Annette Benning and Julianne Moore, respectively. Together, they have two children who they use the same sperm donor and then like gave birth to one each. Uh, Their son is named Laser, who is played by Josh Hutcherson, and he wants to find his biological father, but is too young at 16 years old to find out that information. So he asks his 18-year-old sister, Joni, who is played by Mia Wazikowska, to do it. I'm so proud of myself. Uh (laughs) You nailed it. The sperm bank identifies Paul Hatfield, who is played by one Mark Ruffalo, and they make contact. When the three meet without the parents' knowledge, Joni is kind of taken by Paul's lifestyle. Who is He's a restaurant owner with like an organic farm-to-table situation, while Laser is a bit more skeptical. Eventually, Jules and Nick find out that this has happened, and so they have Paul over for a meal. Things are more or less awkward, but at the dinner, Jules agrees to make over Paul's garden as he starts... Uh, her kind of landscaping situation business. One afternoon while Jules is working on Paul's backyard, uh, she kisses him as she is feeling less affection from Nick and way more from Paul. The two start an affair and the kids also start to spend more time with Paul, which causes tension for Nick. Nick suggests then that they have dinner at Paul's to ease things over, which goes pretty well until Nick finds Jules' hair everywhere in the bedroom and bathroom. Jules admits to the affair, which the kids overhear and things get tense in their household. Paul calls and confesses what he thinks is love to Jules, but she hangs up. As Joni gets ready to leave for college, Paul shows up but is pretty much rejected by everybody in the family, and Jules asks for the family's forgiveness, but things are still up in the air. The next morning, they all drive to drop off Joni at college. As they're getting ready to leave Joni, they all hug, and Nick and Jules also kind of embrace behind Joni's back and they kind of forgive another. Uh, each other in that moment. On the drive back, Laser jokes that they're too old to break up, and the two hold hands, and it seems like everything's going to be all right. How'd I do? I skipped a lot.
1: Yeah, but that's more or less. I mean, Paul hires Jules to do the landscaping. Um, they clearly start feeling affection toward one another, and um, yeah, it all kind of goes from there.
0: So why don't you tell I me? Think you did good. Thank you. Why don't you tell me why you picked this movie?
1: Um, I think this movie it, it, it's just like sort of like always stuck with me since I've watched it. um I, I think about it quite a bit, but i uh, I love that the focus is just on these five actors, and they all do such like a really good job of giving extremely human performances um and it just i it's sort of like an actor showcase more than it is like a film.
0: That makes sense. I get it. Like, which is truly a kind of movie that I enjoy a lot. Always.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling that you'd like it. Um, what were some of your first impressions while watching it? Aside the fact that you enjoyed it,
0: my first impression was that I was really glad that it used the correct grammatical spelling of all right.
1: Of course, you did. <laughs> which
0: is all the letter the word all a l l space right. That is how it's supposed to be. That is the actual word. It is not A L R I G H T. I still use that variation because nobody thinks it's the right one. Um, I don't even know if it's still the right one in the AP style book because the AP style book be changing stuff. But I was just happy that the kids are all right. Other than that, <laughs> um, this movie. Welcome to journalism corner. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to grammar corner. Uh, it's really pretentious here. Um, this movie is incredibly, like, late aughts. It just feels very, mm-hmm. not dated, but just, like, the, like you. do you remember when we talked about um, A Few Good Men and you were talking about, like, the 90s mm. sheen on movies? Um, Correct. I, I feel that way about, like, mid-2000s to late-2000s movies. Uh, obviously, this one came out in, in 2010. Um, there's just, like, <laughs> this, like, very plainly colored... Like, sat, like mid saturation indie folky kind of score music to it that's like in a lot of the same kind of like there's the same energy to a lot of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes my general like thought is like, oh, this is about to be some white shit, like, but uh, Valid. <laughs> but like you kind of you, you feel you see that and you kind of understand like the vibe of the movie and I feel like this is of that. It's not a critique. It's not like a praise. It's just like an observation of of the style of movie. Um another quick one is there's a fantastic kitchen in Paul's house. Um uh, I really like just the whole situation at Paul's house. Uh Mark Ruffalo has something good going on there. Um but then the real first impression standout is uh Julianne Moore and Annette Benning, obviously. Well before I get to that, did mm-hmm. you have any like add-ons to the first few things?
1: No, I I I, complete, I co-sign all of them. Completely agree. Great house. Um, great backyard. I love like all the layers to it. I think that's fun. Um, fun. It, it's extremely 2000s in the way everyone's dressing and the way that they're using their cell phones and not using their cell phones um, in the way that you can find out if someone's having an affair by the hair in the shower and not by like them receiving a bunch of text messages or like things like that. Like there's a lot of reasons why it's like extremely two thousands, like early two thousands. Um, Great, great notes. <laughs>
0: um, also the, the kitchen at Paul's house or Paul's house in general made me think of um, the rooftop garden situation. I think in uh what's the movie with Reese Witherspoon that he's in. Uh, just like heaven. Just like heaven. I don't know why it just made me think of that. Um, just like heaven, <laughs> a movie. That's fine. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh the real standout um upon watching is obviously the the couple at the center of it, Julianne Moore and Annette Benning. Um gotta say Julianne Moore talking about lesbian porn gave me boogie nights flashbacks. Um and <laughs> and is also just a little ironic considering she's like, yeah, you can tell whenever straight women are playing lesbians because XYZ. And I'm like, well. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's so funny. Um
0: and then obviously Annette Bening, uh, the way she slowly slips into like a more and more biting attitude toward everyone as like the, the tensions grow. I think their chemistry together is almost more impressive when they're clashing as opposed to when they're having mm. a good moment, which maybe speaks to like the whole mid-marriage strife message of the movie. I also just, this goes, obvi- this was a first entry or like this was an earlier entry into the Annette Bening being a cool to, if not strict mother after uh or before 20th century women which is also a movie i enjoy
1: yes also uh, there's a lot of similar energy um in that movie as well i i love annette Bening. i love julianne moore julianne moore is honestly probably one of my favorite um actresses that we have i'll watch more or less anything that she's in um her Meltdown in Magnolia is like one of my favorite things I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, She's she's incredibly, incredibly talented. Um, But yeah, they do. They do such a good job and a very believable job of their relationship. But I think you're right on the fact that like when they're sort of falling apart, you can tell how much love was there based on how much love is currently not there, if that makes sense. Like, we don't need, like, a huge backstory on, like, how good things were. We sort of, like, come in right as things are getting bad. But you can tell with, like, how they're fighting and, like you said, clashing. You sort of get all of the backstory in the way that they're no longer vibing.
0: Yeah, and it's the way that they, like, kind of interrupt each other while they tell the story of how they've met or it's, like, it's little, like, snipes at each other that are, like, comedic in the movie and in the script but like add up and and kind of create the like walls or the just you see them getting onto different pages um throughout the film so uh I thought they played into that pretty well they uh, and just the different aspects I mean neither of us are married nor middle-aged but um that one could assume kind of builds over time in a long relationship so uh I thought that was pretty well executed by them too the last thing that stood out at first uh, for me was, I just love a scene where a family drops someone off at college.
1: Oh, that makes me, it literally makes <laughs> me cry every single time I watch it. It's so good. The scene, I'm sure we'll get into it more and I'll let you talk about it. But when the when Joni realizes the room has gone quiet and it's like the first time that there's like silence in the whole movie. And she's like, "But wait, wait, where'd they go? Like, she knows that they left, and like that's what she's been begging for this whole movie. But it's very much like, you know, you don't know how much you miss your chaotic family until they're like not there. And uh, I, I definitely was like, oh, that scene, like, just it gets me. <laughs> no, let's Did just cry. No, let's just get into this day day now. Yeah, yeah, let's get
0: into the, the, the yeah, that yeah. scene now. Yeah. Um, no, I, I didn't like. <laughs> so I'm the youngest of six siblings. Uh, and so I, most everybody had moved out at that point by the time I had gone to school. Um, That's so true. the people dropping me off at school was my, one of my older sisters and my dad. <laughs> and so when they, my, my dad was trying to help me set up the room and I was like, had the same moment of like, please let me just do my thing. And so my sister was like, dad, let's go figure this out. And so whenever they left mm-hmm. and I like got to settle into my room, I was like, thank God. <laughs> um, And I love my family. I love my dad. Um, But it was just having like, all right, a space to kind of cultivate um, and and figure out on my own. Uh, Yeah. And like I was going out of state for school, but it was only one state over. It was like a five-hour drive, so it wasn't anything crazy. Um, So it definitely was, it was like more of a, we're hugging. We'll see you soon. My dad was like, proud of you for going to college. Uh, We're good. Like, go do your thing um love danny yeah Shasta to dad um so, but what about you what was your drop-off like
1: so <laughs> I was that i absolutely cried um but it wasn't until later it's so melodramatic oh my god my it's so stupid but um <laughs> i live like within the same i live less than an hour from where we went to college um, and I saw my family all the time. Um, but I was the first one to move out. I'm the eldest. Um, no one had really ever done it before, obviously. Um, so I think when my sister moved out, everybody was like a touch less emotional, though I sobbed like a fucking psychopath when we <laughs> moved my sister to college. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I remember being this age. And it was just great. She's about to graduate. It's fucking Oh, nuts, God, but, that's crazy. Um, I know. Um, But... I think, like, my my whole family came. They helped me set up my room. I was, like, very happy to help them, to have them help me because I was, like, I want to get this done as fast as possible. And four hands is way better than one. And um, But I also knew Dominic, um, who oh, lived on yeah. our floor. And so uh, he, like, came by and, like, hung out for a hot minute. And, like, I got to see his family. Um, so that was fun. But it was literally, Zach, literally, like, First day college, like first day, all done. I like met a couple people on the floor, like hung out with, hung out with Dom, like set up my room, and like going to bed, like tucking myself in, and then just like my first breath, and then I was like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> "You're you're like uh, you're like Holly Hunter in uh, broadcast news. You just like <laughs> burst into tears." Yeah yeah no I think that's why I love those scenes so much it, it can either come at the emotional climax or the end of a story it can come at the beginning when we're about to get into like some hijinks at a college movie um just yeah. the, the drop-off is a fun uh a specific fun point in a, in a story for me um or to me rather shout out to uh Taylor Place Floor 10 Tower 2
1: yeah that college what a time, what a time. Uh, but yeah I love that scene a lot I, I just think that like she finally gets what she wants and then like It takes like two beats for her to be like, wait a second.
0: Yeah, it's definitely older sibling energy. Oldest sibling energy. Yeah, it definitely is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, love it. What have you thought about most since you finished watching the movie?
0: Um, This is much more of, if not totally a marriage movie than it is like a message movie. Like it's straight up just a family dramedy.
1: Explain that a little more. Like what do you mean by like a message movie?
0: Like look at all the strife that this queer couple has to go through. Like, because they're queer. It's just, like, they happen to be lesbians. Um, yeah. There is no, like, the inciting incidents have nothing to do with their sexuality, really. Um,
1: yeah. It has, like, way more to do about their marriage than it has to do about their queerness.
0: Yeah. Or even, like, I- even the jokes aren't about their queerness, really. Like, it's not something like The Birdcage, which is a movie I like, um, that is so Love the birdcage. centrally about <laughs> the reality of queer people. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Mike Nichols and Elaine May. I didn't even know before watching this movie that it was about a lesbian couple. Like, I just thought it was... A family movie, and it is. I thought uh, Mark Harris of Entertainment Weekly and R.I.P. Grantland put it eloquently in his review. He said, the film celebrates the journey through marriage in a way that, for the movies, is quietly revolutionary. The breakthrough here isn't simply that the couple in question is gay, but Cholodenko is more interested in showing us that while the dynamic between two women may be different, the mundanities of middle-aged life, parenting struggles, and small domestic tensions are a universal language. And I think that like, pretty much centrally wraps up what this movie is actually about it is about the middle age about parenting teenagers and about like the tensions that kind of all lift out out of that
1: yeah and i I think that that's like a really big point point because you know the the central tension of this movie is that it's lesbian couple and one of them is having an affair with a man and it never is like her in bed being like oh my god am i not as gay as like like she's never like questioning her sexuality she's like shut up i just like need to like get this out of my system because you're giving me the attention i need that my wife isn't which is all affairs like that no matter what and like even in the when they finally like are are facing it together um nick says like what are you straight now and she's like no it's like not even about that yeah like it has so little to do with the sexuality and i love that there's never like a whole line of like a a, th- a through line of that being like a, a major part of the affair.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like it was like, it's still like a slight bummer that like Jules ends up cheating on her with a man. Like I would have liked that to be a different kind of affair. Like if she's going to cheat or whatever, but um, I wasn't, I didn't get too hung up on it, but I get if people are, um, I also liked how uh, <laughs> even though, Like, they're not just these, like, progressive superstars just because they're gay. Like, Nick can't grasp, like, the importance of organic food. Like, (laughs) she just doesn't make sense to her. Um, Yeah. And that also makes sense with her character.
1: Yeah. I I think that um, it is less... I, I get what you're saying about, like, Jules cheating on Nick with a man is a huge bummer. But I think it is less so simply because of that scene Where Jules is like looking at Paul and he's, and she's like, Oh, I like see my kids' expressions. Like they have like a connection. And like, I don't know what it's like to meet a man that was a sperm donor of mine. And now like my children are connected to you that I carried myself. Like, it's not a situation I'm in, but (laughs) I can imagine that like you feel a sort of like very personal connection to somebody like that. That it like sort of, that's what it's about more than it's about like the fact that he's a man. Yeah, does that I, make I any th- sense? It, the- no, it
0: it no it it does. It's just it it does. It's just I think the thing that like I wished it wasn't this way was like the fact that they had like the sexual aspect to the affair. Um, just because like what the movie was going for.
1: Yeah, I think mean, it was just like any dude, it would be way fucking weirder. But I think like because yeah, totally. it's a like, very yeah. intimate relationship outside of it, like built in that it makes sense for this to be the slip
0: yeah i like the the sex scenes are funny but i do think they could have just like had the same kind of uh energy or message if she was like sneaking out to go hang out with paul because paul is like giving her all that praise or whatever anyway um it didn't need to be inherently sexual but um it happened uh it didn't like really take away from the movie for me it just uh was something that i'm like well we could have maybe we do that differently now but again it was it was apparently it was such a big moment or a big uh, kind of point to the movie. So
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, sexuality fluid. Um, What were some things that you looked up uh, about the movie after you finished watching?
0: I was reading a lot of reviews that were really, really harping on that part and being like, wow, it's so amazing that they made this movie about blah, blah, blah. But that like, so the Mark Harris one is the one I really kind of went to because he was like, all right, like I get it. Cool. However, it's also just like this really special movie about marriage and like, in the review he talks about trying to think about movies about marriage and a lot of them are like Kramer versus Kramer or like, you know, like mm-hmm. divorce movies like that or like ordinary people or um, his girl Friday. And like, they're not really about marriage. They're either about like a breaking or a coming together. And then like, once that happens, like movies over, life's over. There goes the adventure. You're just married now. And so this was like a, mm-hmm. a good picture and uh articulation of, that middle age in that like extended life beyond just like the wedding day. Yeah. Another thing I looked up about the movie was how is it received? Incredibly well, like on so many top 10 lists um, topped a few of them. I think AL Scott had it fifth um, Indie wire named its 21st best screenplay of the 21st century. Um, and then it was uh, nominated for a few different things. It was nominated for best picture. Um, Annette Bening got a best actress nomination um, Ruffalo got a supporting actor nomination and then it also got a best screenplay nom. It did not win any of those. I think this was the King's Speech year, aka the social network did not win year.
1: Yeah, that's the most important <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> um, but like, so in those categories, like, uh, Natalie Portman won in Black Swan, um, Christian Bale won in The Fighter, the King's Speech won best original screenplay and movie. I, and I feel like we say this semi-often, but it was kind of wild that like this movie gets nominated just because like, and I don't mean this in a bad way. It just felt slight like it, but compared to like Oscar movies now have to have so much narrative and like heavy, I don't know, drama or like a heavy performance or like just a kind of campaign behind it. And this one's just like a breezy mm-hmm. family comedy where Josh Hutcherson has a friend who makes a lot of dick jokes.
1: I was really hoping that you were going to say this because I thought of something Because this is always like my go to is like, they don't make movies like this anymore. (laughs) But like, it sort of does remind me of Coda. Like, it's way less emotional, but like, I think that Coda was really one of the first times in a while that we had seen a movie that was just like about a family going through a thing that like families go through that was nominated and won Best Picture, but like, even like made that big of a ruckus. And, um, it it did end up winning which i think is like just still so shocking but i i do think that that was like the first time in a really long time that a movie like similar like this was even like recognized
0: i'll take this chance to talk a little bit more about Annette Bening too where it's like she got a best actress nom for this part where she's just like playing a a mom and a and a doctor who mm-hmm. isn't really like it's weird that, I, I don't know, in my head, like, her and Julianne Moore were both the best actresses or both, like, the supporting – you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, I I am curious as to, like, maybe why some people, like, lean that way or – because Julianne Moore, I feel like, has more to do. But I guess Annette Bening has more to hold in in terms of, yeah, like, the Yeah, she's, family. like, the reactionary
1: character. Um, I think that the difference between the two of them is, like, while um, – Julianne Moore has more to physically do she's very sort of like lackadaisical about the relationship like she's stressed and she knows she shouldn't be doing it but she's not it's not like eating her up inside or we're not seeing it eat her up inside or like ruin the way that she's interacting with people where like the tinge of like I'm losing my family and I think I might be the reason why but I don't know what's going on and maybe it's this guy's fault Maybe it's my fault, like what the fuck is going on to me? That's like how Annette Benning has to function mm-hmm. in this movie. I think that she's given, while not like the the actions, she's given so much more of the emotions um to portray in this movie. That that yeah. makes
0: sense to me. It is it is interesting too, like how the movie just kind of like, she might be drinking too much, but we're just gonna like have her stop. Like <laughs> um
1: well she, that's like the the moment where they're like at dinner that's the yeah. moment where she's like okay i'm gonna be on my best behavior i'm gonna like try to like meet with paul and like i'm gonna play like the wife yeah. family wants and then she's like having a good time and enjoying herself and she's like oh like i can like loosen up like i will have a glass of that wine and like i am gonna yeah. like maybe be my real self and then i mean can we talk about this seed i have like so much to say about this seed
0: it's <laughs> it the dinner so- where like they finally fight
1: Yes. Joni Mitchell is like a big part of the scene. And I love the line. I spent half of high school in my room crying to that album. I think it's so fucking funny. And it's like so good because I, I have those albums. But Joni Mitchell is just like the best, like sad woman, like uh, heartbreak music of all time. And it's like that album specifically is the crux of like two of the saddest scenes in movies this one and then in love actually where like (laughs) emma thompson like wipes like a single tear away from her face and like is so good but she's like two women who like realize their partner is cheating on them while joni mitchell is the topic of conversation (laughs) i'm like yeah this is what joni mitchell writes about it's like finding out that you're partner is cheating on you while you're listening to Tony mitchell like that's exactly correct um anyway great album it was a great <laughs> album if you're ever really really sad um i just thought that like it when always you said stands the out saddest
0: out two movies it, like two scenes in cinema i was like where is this going <laughs>
1: you know, that's love a, actually that's was
0: not a, the direction i thought you were going
1: no it's a fallacy that's like a complete hyperbole but uh <laughs> just two scenes that i like yeah, have very yeah. similar energy are also like like tied together by this Joni Mitchell reference yeah um but just and it, it's something that like anytime you rewatch it if you ever want to when she like takes the hair out of the shower the very first time like in the beginning where she's like oh your hair is everywhere mm-hmm. we just had the the thing drain you're like
0: oh, oh oh no I I, I did <laughs> that's I that's
1: gonna come I, back to you
0: <laughs> I did clock that I was like oh that's probably gonna be a a notable thing that was like a very blatant Note. Yeah, um, look at this. Yeah, <laughs> Chekhov's hair.
1: <laughs> yeah, literally, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'll also
0: take this moment of talking about the o- Oscar noms to talk about Mark Ruffalo in a more extended way. Like we haven't talked about him really yet. Another interesting nomination, just in terms of like, all right, the other supporting actors are Christian Bale in The Fighter, who won, um, John Hawkes in Winter's Bone, Jeremy Renner in The Town, who's Cobb gonna take, and Jeffrey Rush in The King's Speech, and then you just have like organic. Fuckboy Cook Mark Ruffalo <laughs> getting nommed yeah. for like filming a dude jumping off of, of a roof like I'm not and I'm not besmirching it I just think it's like such a breezy like really yeah. banking on Mark Ruffalo's I, charisma
1: I think that's definitely the weaker of the four <laughs> options and that's my man's like, like that, this is <laughs> definitely Andrew just,
0: like, Garfield's nomination <laughs> in Social Network yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually yeah. Mark
0: Ruffalo. He's yelling at when he's like, "Mark." <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. That's that's correct. Um, yeah, uh, Mark Ruffalo sh- doesn't deserve an Oscar nomination <laughs> for this movie.
0: <laughs> wow, I did not expect to. I thought you were going to come in defending it.
1: I mean, he's great, but like against Andrew Garfield and The Social Network, like, no, of course not. <laughs> That's like one of the best scenes in all of cinematic history is Andrew Garfield yelling at Facebook. Like I can't (laughs) believe that that wasn't an option for people.
0: Oh my god. I have yet to see someone put that over like Midwest emo intro, like TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) And that needs to be a thing.
1: Um, okay. Do you have any questions about the movie? Uh for me to answer
0: um to go with the vibe of the movie i'm going to keep it light um first question if the daughter's name is jody and it's she's named after joni mitchell how the fuck did we get laser
1: It's I have never no explained idea. <laughs> no um i'm not really sure um
0: like is there like an like an indie musician named laser that i'm unaware of
1: not that i know of um it, it might be just sort of like I had a teacher who named his son Danger.
0: <laughs> just, I, just, I just want any explanation. I'm not judging the name Laser. It's just such a wild take.
1: <laughs> yeah. What happened to Josh Richardson? Can we talk about him for a moment? Yeah, yeah, What's let's he talk- up to these days? Uh, Nothing. He's-, He's great. He was a great child
0: performer. He was, you know what? I knew him from the Hunger Games. He was a heartthrob for sure. He was born in Kentucky. Did Fam- you know that? I did know that because of all the Hunger Games uh, press tours That's I true. consumed. That's true. Famously, he and Jennifer Lawrence are both from Kentucky. Oh. Huh. Um. So this is before the Hunger Games. And so the Hunger Games comes two years later. And by the time he's done with the Hunger Games, he has been in seven movies. None of them are any sort of notable except for the disaster artist.
1: Um. Yep. You're right.
0: (laughs) He was in a comedy television series called Future Man. He was the main role and also producer. He was a voice actor on Ultraman. And he was in an episode of Paquita Salas. What's up with Josh?
1: That's what I want to know. Like, Where where are you at? He supported Bernie Sanders. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did read that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Um, I think he should come back. I, I think he's a very charming actor. Um, he's maybe he's just like a charming teenager. I don't know, but um, I feel like he was like, I feel like he was like with us, and then he was not.
0: If he's just like living off the Hunger Games checks, more power to him. Like, great job by him.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I found him very charming in this movie, and I <laughs> wish that he would come back. You know. Don't know how he got the name Laser. Sorry, I don't have an answer. <laughs>
0: With that, do you have any other questions for me?
1: <laughs> I don't, really. I, I think that um, the movie is an extremely straightforward movie. Um, and I I uh, I guess the only question I have is, would you watch this movie again? Yeah,
0: probably. What if it was like, circle back, want to watch some kids and see if they're all right? Cool. We've watched the two movies now. Uh, so it's yeah, time to we get to it. the two critical questions first. Uh, what movie did you like most out of the two?
1: Um, definitely the kids are all right. As I said, I would not watch Warrior.
0: <laughs> I, I, I've got to go with the war. I got to go with Warrior. Um,
1: that's absolutely fair. Yeah,
0: look at us. All right, and now for the first time in Blind Spotters history, <laughs> in the new category: Which movie would Louis love more? Harkening back to our interview with the Vampire podcast, um, I think he would love the Kids Are All Right more.
1: I think so, too. I think that he would find the the violence of Warrior too grotesque.
0: I also think he would just love the California scenery.
1: Do we think Louis is pro-LGBT as he was born in like the 1700s?
0: You know, that's a tough one. <laughs> he was living in San Francisco, so maybe like he, it softened a little bit like, you know, just around a very strong uh, queer community there. And like yeah. maybe he's realizing the energy between him and Lestat is not exactly what he thought it was.
1: That's true. He is canonically um, in a gay relationship.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was a gay dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to next month and next episode will be December. You want to get cozy, hang out with the family, think about some presents and investigate some stuff. We're going to talk about some journalism movies. What are we watching, Amanda?
1: I am going to watch His Girl Friday and you are going to watch State of Play. What do you know about State of Play?
0: Nothing. I just know it's a journalism movie. Is Rachel McAdams in this one too? Uh, I believe so. Oh, cool. Good for her. Um, speaking of journalism movies, shout out to Mark Ruffalo. They knew!
1: Uh, they knew, Robbie! They knew! <laughs> and they did nothing!
0: They let it happen. Um. What do you know about it his? It could girl?
1: have been you. It could have been me. Could <laughs> <laughs> have been any of us. Runs. <laughs> we gotta nail these scumbags. <laughs> He's incredible. Um, what do anyway, you know about his girl Friday? Flow, he got. He got nominee. Um. The only thing I know about <laughs> his girl Friday is that Cary Grant is in it.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and
1: that it's. I believe. I believe it's in black and white. Yes, it is. Uh, that's all I know. I and I know it's a journalism movie. Yeah. Um. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to talk, talk about State of Play. It's a movie my dad made me watch just like two years ago. And I was like, Dad, this movie is lame. And then by the end, I was like, that was awesome. That was cool. <laughs> I'm going to major in journalism <laughs> Thank now. <you. laughs> Thank God I have a journalism degree <laughs> and a career. <laughs> All right. Aside from that, uh, what is on your movie watch list right now?
0: Uh, very 2022 centric. So um I think by the time this comes out, we will be in Wakanda Forever week. So obviously that, I'm um, just expecting an incredibly emotional and uh, beautiful time at the movie theater. Um, I also want to go see Ticket to Paradise. Shout out to George Clooney and Julia Roberts and Caitlin Deaver, one of my favorite young actors.
1: Phoenix native.
0: Famously. Um, and then uh, releasing finally in Vegas uh, this week um, that we're recording is TAR, the Cable Enchant Vehicle. Uh, she plays like a composer that is getting touted for at least best actress, um, noise for her. And I've heard it's one of the better movies of the 2022 slate. We're getting, we're getting into Oscar season finally. So, um, those movies are starting to drop. What about you?
1: I'm so excited. Um, not only are we in, uh, Wakanda forever week, but tomorrow season five of the crown releases. I will be watching all of The Crown. <laughs> <laughs> to um, I High! I, ta- I took the day off of both jobs because <laughs> I will be working the election, not because of The Crown, but it is very good timing um, that I will be coming home at like 5 a.m. taking a fat nap and then watching the entirety of The Crown Season 5. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. Very excited for that. Um, I do have a few 2022 movies I'm looking forward to that I will probably be able to see. Uh, before this comes out the fable is coming soon she said another journalism movie is coming soon and then the menu um, looks real creepy and looks really fun so those are all coming soon I'm very excited for those um and then something that's streaming that I've been I want I really want to hit um, is thoroughbreds which is um, a like a thriller movie featuring Olivia Cook and Anya Taylor
0: joy I watched this movie I think a couple years ago uh, just like on a whim, I think I had just finished Queen's Gambit and I was like, okay, I'll go for it. Um really, really fun. Well uh, text me when you watch it because uh, it's very specific. I think
1: Thoroughbreds is gonna be on HBO Max for a hot minute, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get through it. It's like it. a little I'm creepy, excited.
0: you can put it into the slate. Like I was surprised that I watched it.
1: <laughs> good to know. That's like a good level. I like to know that. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> we will we will leave um i don't know if anyone else could have spent an entire hour talking about the kids are all right <laughs> but <laughs> uh we appreciate you listening i know that zach will do a good job of cutting this down so you don't have to listen to a whole hour of the kids are all right um but you can find this podcast on the second tuesday of every month um a thank you for voting in your local election yeah. it's very important um happy election day to everybody um, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Blind Spotters Pod. I am so close to our goal of getting a measly 100 followers by the end of the year. Um, so please, I'm really trying. I'm I'm pumping content out is she, there. Yes, she um, is. <laughs> and you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Blind Spotters,
0: where I am not close at all to hitting that goal.
1: <laughs> well, that's that was my goal. Okay, Zach where can people find you on the internet
0: uh, You can find me on twitter at ZachPoclib, and as always you can find me on Letterboxd where can people find you
1: You can send me any compliments At Amanda Luberto on all social Media you gotta head out Thank you guys so much for listening have a great And safe Thanksgiving say hi to your families Say personally Zach and Amanda Say hi to your parents And your families and your siblings um, it's, a, it's a family pod Come and join us uh, Everybody loves this pod Okay, that's all I had to say. Bye! Let's go to war! <laughs> all right. <laughs> My computer made it all the way through. Thank oh, God. That would not have been good. All right, let me also stop the recording.